podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And you know what? I'm running out of superlatives. The winning run continues. The gap at the top of the Premier League continues to grow. And we're still in four competitions. Let's see if any of my three guests can do any better regarding superlatives. And they are. That's the guest, that is, not the superlatives. They are Lisa Rabinovic. Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Nigel. Uh, Edward Timston. Hi, Edward. Welcome. Hi, Nigel. And Stuart Brodkin. Hi, Stuart. Hi. Hi, then. Listen, Lisa, can you kick us off the 16th consecutive win in all competitions? I mean, how good are we? Help us with some of these superlatives, please, Lisa. Well... There's, there's been a lot of superlatives flying around, but one I haven't seen used is probably one that's going to date me and, and put into question my taste in television watching. But I'm thinking maybe we could start using the word fan dabby dozy for City. Um, <laughs> that does date you quite well, actually. Thank you very much, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, but it's true, there's just... Every other word's been completely overused now, so I think it's time we started bringing Sam Dabby-Dobby back into fashion. Um, it's just, um, it's unbelievable, really. Um, I obviously, and you can hear it on previous podcasts, was first to admit that I never expected this from us this season. Um, it's just, it's crazy, in a good way. I mean, you're right, because I raised the issue um, last week, actually, and it kind of came to me during during the show that this, of course, was meant to be a season of transition. You know, we were so far behind Liverpool. We've got a brand-new centre-back pairing. We, we've got no David Silva. You know, Foden might break into the first team. And, and it, it was genuinely going to be a season of transition, a, a season of change, of, of consolidation. And, and we've seen the opposite, haven't we? Yeah, it's and also with with this is happening without Aguero essentially. I mean, he's barely played at all. Um, we've been missing Kevin for a bit now as well. Um, it it's and I think a lot of it has to do with the way that Diaz has settled in so well. Yeah. Um, which doesn't always happen, especially with defenders. Um, I I, th- I do think that's got a lot to do with it. Obviously, Liverpool dropping off the way they have done has helped, but yeah. all that shows is one it is very difficult when you lose key players and two it's very hard to maintain momentum after winning the title sure fan fan what is it again fan i'm too young you're not a cranky fan uh, clearly not no edward help us your <laughs> your word please your your superlative please edward timpson <laughs> Well, I, I did have the pleasure of watching Crankies in my youth, so um, uh, I think that's a good effort. But, you know, so we had the Centurions in the 17-18 season, uh, middle 18 19. I don't want to get too carried away because it wasn't that many months ago we were down in 12th place, but it's looking more and more like the untouchables to me. That's what I'm going for. And um, I think we've shown the sort of ultimate and bounce-back ability over the last uh, 16 games, a real ruthless streak. Um, built around much better movement, real confidence, the consistency, which no other team is showing, uh, and just a collective sense of belief. All the players now um, are sort of oozing um, a, a real sense of um, togetherness and joint missions and determination. And, and when you just look at the sort of the basic facts, I think, as, as Pep's been saying, basically we're creating all and we're conceding us. And the, the, the sum game of that is that we're winning a lot of football matches. So that's 
Uh, another record we've set, apparently, uh, seven streaking sheep that they actually had. That equals a club record set in 1947. Um, so just when we think there's nothing else for us to, to beat in the record books, and as Lisa says, that's without Diaz, KDB, Fernandinho, Aguero, um, and against the backdrop of what was supposed to be a season of, of rebuilding and, and reconsidering where we were going to find the, the route back to the top um, in subsequent seasons. But we seem to have uh, sort of slipstreamed that. And okay, let, let's just celebrate what is just uh, an incredible achievement. Brilliant, thank you. Fan, Dabadozi, bounce back ability, untouchables. Stuart, let's have yours, please, my friend. Superlative. <laughs> if you're superlative, it's superlative. Um, I'm not sure, actually. I think controlled, cruising, consistent, three Cs there. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really think we've, we're out of third gear yet, second gear maybe. I think there's a lot more to come. I think it's it's so controlled that Pep, I think I said before, he's been very pragmatic this season. He's not, we're not rushing around like lunatics like we have done in the past. He knows it's a long season. He knows we're playing every every three, four days. And he's, he's just got it down to a fine art, I think. Like, like we all said, it was going to be a season of transition or consolidation. But now we're just consolidating our lead at the top. We need... 12 wins out of 15 to win the title. Um, um, what, the, way we're, the way we're playing, it, it's entirely possible. At the moment, you can't see us losing. We're, just not, we're not conceding goals, which is Lisa, no. Lisa made the point, you know, the, the, sort of the, the Diaz and, and whoever, whether it's Stones, Laporte, whoever comes in, they just, they just have a confidence about them as well, which yeah. is just I haven't seen for a long, long time. Well, what was the what was the catalyst, Lisa? What what made all this happen? Do you think? What do you, what do you? I mean, we can we can see what's happening. We can uh, thank you very much for your your homework and your on your superlatives, all of you. What wonderful work, <laughs> much appreciated. Uh, but but what what do you put it down to, Lisa? What what is it? Was there a particular catalyst? Was there a game? Was there an incident? Is there one player? Can can you put your finger on it? Um, it I, I don't want to say that it's completely down to Diaz. But it does feel like it's got a lot to do with that. I mean, I heard that there was some meeting of the players after, I think it was after the previous Spurs match when we lost, and and that Fernandinho instigated, and and things changed from then. Basically, things have changed from then. But I, I do think that the form of the defence helps the rest of the team. And... I don't obviously want to talk about Liverpool because this is not a Liverpool podcast, but I think you can see that what happens when you don't have um, confidence in your defence, it does impact the rest of the team. Um, even if we're not, even if we're not a team that everyone thinks of as, you know, built on defence, even though our defence has been good under Guardiola always, it doesn't always feel like it is, but it is. Um, I, I just, I think that for me, that's the biggest change from last season, but also from last season, I think, we didn't appreciate at the time, maybe, I think some of us did, but not fully, just what impact it had on having Fernandinho pulled into the defence. Mm. It meant Rodri played probably a lot more last season than he would have done had it in his first season normally. And and I think people were questioning whether Rodri was good enough to be in that position. And I just it, everything just had a knock-on 
effect on the whole team, the way we played. And I think what Stuart said about us looking controlled and the confidence and the consistency, that all comes from from the same place. But okay. it enables other players to, 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 to just not have to worry anymore. Uh, Edward, I mean, Lisa makes a, a number of excellent points. Can I just throw in something else that we've mentioned, which is this has all been managed without... What people, someone who people were describing last season as maybe the best footballer on the planet in, in Kevin De Bruyne and the legend that is Sergio Aguero, our, our record goal scorer. So it means that other people have stepped up and goals are coming from all over the park. Do you just want to sort of expand on that a little bit for us as well, Edward? Yeah, I think it's definitely, and sometimes these things happen by accident rather than by design. It's normally designed with Pep, but by having uh, KDB out on and off, Aguero not fit, he's, and the, the troubles that we had at the start of the season to really get ourselves going and find um, a, a rhythm, uh, a, a sort of a style of play which was creating the chances that we need. Uh, it's enabled players that perhaps in the past were, were playing second fiddle to, to step up and play more expensive games, show what they're capable of. Um, Gundogan being the best example of that, seeing him pushed up a little further forward in the, the Spurs game. Absolute revelation. And my case would be Raheem Sterling, who you remember when he first came, our defence wasn't necessarily, apart from Vincent Company, our, our, our strongest asset. And he probably weren't taking many risks and weren't as direct uh, as he, he then became. And there were signs that he was regressing back to that without um, a solid defence behind him. And I, I think what has happened is... Lisa's right that knowing that they've got this um, this wall um, behind them has allowed the likes of uh, Bernardo to rediscover his his talent um, and express himself on the field. Uh, Gundogan we've spoken of, um, and with Foden getting more game time, I think they're now seeing um, that's, that that wall behind them provide them with the foundations to, to really. Um, you know, use the whole of the, the park in front of them. They've gone much further out wide again uh, to, to pull uh, the opposition um, apart at the back. So, yes, I think as much as we'd love to have KDB and Aguero in the team, and they would be on first on the team sheet, I'm sure, with um, probably Diaz and, and Edison and, um, and Gundogan, believe it or not, um, at the moment, then the fact that we've still got players who can come in and and uh, now play the style of football that, uh, that Pep wants us to, uh, which can also, it seems, although it's uh, still hard-pressing and I'm sure exhausting, it doesn't seem to be mentally fatiguing players. They seem happy playing that way, and they're getting the results. So uh, it's, yeah, it's great to see the whole squad contributing. And who, Stuart, do you think has gone under the radar a little bit this season? I mean, I think between Edward and Lisa, they've, they've mentioned most of the stars yeah. that you'd expect. Uh, can I throw Cancelo into the pot? Who I think I was just going to say that. We, 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 yeah, so, build, so please feel free build build on Cancelo for me. Yeah, I think I've got my notes here. I've got two stars against Cancelo and one star each against Diaz and Gundogan. Gundogan. Uh, I think Cancelo, Cancelo or Cancelo, which is a I'm not sure. I, I think uh, it's Cancelo, but I don't know. I'm not Cancelo. Cancelo. Oh, Cancelo, okay. <laughs> it's not Diash, is it? Like um, BT Sport called in the other day. Anyway, Cancelo. Diash is probably the correct pronunciation, I'm told. But anyway, Cancelo mm-hmm. has been outstanding. I-, I thought he was absolutely awful last season, but he's now playing in a, in a free role. I think he's like 
go wherever you want, mate. You know, that's what Pep has told him. As long as you come back occasionally and defend. But he's just, nobody, nobody can really stop him. He, if he could shoot, if he could keep the ball down when he shoots, he would be 10 plus goals a season. He would be like another, another sort of forward for us. But I mean, He's confusing teams. Nobody know. Nobody marks him. Nobody knows what to do with him. No opposition player follows him or tries to stop him. He he has been a revelation. And I think you know, I think what everybody said so far that the, the basis of the team is the, is the defence, Diaz and the and the, re, the resurgent Stones. Uh, Gundogan's moved further forward as we as we all know. It's allowed every player, more or less, in the side to express themselves. And we're a proper team. Without, we haven't got one superstar player as such. Okay, De Bruyne is a superstar. We all know that. But in this current team that's been playing the last two, three, four weeks, there is no outstanding, maybe Gundogan, but there's no really, really superstar player there. They all they look like a team. Every other side in the division, is not a team. It relies on Harry Kane, Jamie Vardy. Uh, I don't know who United rely on, possibly nobody, but uh, Fernandez. But, you know, they've all got one or two or one superstar player. We, we haven't. We've got 11 superstars, I think. But, but we did last year. We had a KDB just before we move on to the Spurs game. Edward, I mean, would, KB, would KDB get straight back in, in your view, just so he's fit, he's, he's back, up and running, um, he just walks straight back in, does he? And, and if he does, who does he replace? Well, he's going to be back in the team when he's fit. And I think probably what we'll see is him starting to be eased back in and off the bench. And we've still got quite a few cup games uh, to play. So, yes, he will end up back in the team, no doubt. Uh, but we're now seeing um, you know, Foden playing far more regularly. How do you take him out? Gundogan, you can't drop. Bernardo is on a, a different level compared with last season, back to his, his best from the season before. So, yeah, it's very difficult. Probably maybe Mahrez is the one that may have to drop out. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a great conundrum to have. And I just want to uh, make one quick um, uh, thumbs up for, uh, for Zinchenko, uh, mm-hmm. who we know what his weaknesses are. And, um, you know, he's not necessarily always giving, you know, your highest level of confidence when the ball's going over his head and uh, oppositions often play that ball um, knowing that he isn't the strongest in, in, in that uh, that part of um, the game but I think he's he's been masterful in the way that he has played what the, the, the role that perhaps asked him to play, coming inside being the midfielder which he, he is naturally um, and holding that position down now um, with you know, the competition isn't as fierce as it should be uh, but I think he has played a key role at, at the right time, and I don't think he should be overlooked. Absolutely spot on. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, let's listen, let's talk about the Spurs game. Very comfortable. Uh, pretty straightforward. Never really in any doubt, Lisa. Um, there's some, obviously a number of incidents to talk about, which we'll come on to. But before we come on to the specifics of Edison's pass and, and penalties and, and anything else you want to talk about. But, but overall... In general terms, you'd agree, comfortable victory, never really in any doubt. Um, I wouldn't quite agree. At the beginning, I wasn't that. I didn't feel that comfortable. I don't think we were playing wonderfully by our standards right at the beginning. And Spurs always worry me, especially with Son and, 
um, Kane combining on the pitch against us. Um, but you know how much I hate Spurs, so maybe that plays into it. But we did eventually just control it. And I, I think that's also something I need to get more used to, is that sometimes it's not about looking amazing and wonderful all the time. It's just we were in control. And as long as as long as you can feel the confidence that you're in control, then eventually we will build up to scoring the goals that we did. Um, so, yes, ultimately um, we were in control. But right at the beginning, I was and they were going to get in there um, and Son was going to tear us apart again, but he didn't. So. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Edward, what pleased you most then about the Spurs performance? Uh, well, I think... Uh, one, considering knowing the, the huge threat that Son and Kane are, and they've done it to us too many times in, in the near in the, the past. Uh, Son in particular, who I think outside of City is one of my favourite players, and uh, love watching him. But the fact that neither Son or Kane had a single touch in our penalty area for the whole game um, shows you how well we kept them out, and um, we just uh, you know sort of chaperoned them around the pitch, and they weren't really able to create anything other than the, the free kick and in the, uh, I think, about the 13th minute that Kane took. Um, and um, the sort of symbolism that showed how we, compared with the game we lost to the murder in the season, 2-0, or just the, the end of um, our, our losing um, period, was uh, the, 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 that lovely moment when uh, Cancelo, the, the confuser, as we'll probably call him now, um, he nutmegs Son. Um, and, you know, that, that was a real indicator of how the momentum had shifted since we last played them. So... Uh, so I think the fact that we shut the door on Son and Kane um, and got them uh, you know, pedalling backwards, trying to help defend with the rest of the team, uh, showed just how over the game we just took more and more control and eventually uh, we were too good for them. Uh, Stuart, I'm happy for you to take anything you want. Do you want to start with who on earth is going to be our penalty taker going forward? Uh, Edison's ridiculous <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to have a go at that. Oh, you start. Yeah, we'll like... come on. We'll come on to Edison in a minute. Then, so, so let's. One of the questions on Twitter was, you know, "Are we ever going to find yeah. another Yaya or Mario?" And you and I, of course, will both remember Franny Lee as well. He never missed either. Or it feels that way. I'm sure he did, but he, he rarely missed. What's going on? We've got we're, we've got this fantastic team who are fighting on four fronts, <laughs> and, and and they can't take a penalty. I mean, Rodgers wasn't exactly yeah. convincing, was it? What's going on? Well, Rodri hasn't scored a goal for over a year, and he's taken a penalty, you know. So, 
<laughs> apparently he put his hand up in the dressing room and they said, okay, they all laughed. But they said, go on then. This is before the game, obviously. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Edison's got a chance. I think he apparently in training, he is a superb penalty taker. That's what I've heard today. Uh, and his control, I mean, his, his control with, you know, when he kicks the ball, not on the not from the penalty spot, obviously, but he's about 95% accurate. So from, you know, a shorter distance, he, he must, and he's got no nerve. He has no nerves whatsoever. He's ice cool. He, it wouldn't bother him if he was the last minute in the Champions League final. He'd put it away. And I, I think he might get a chance. What The only problem is, what happens if he misses? Which he exactly. What happens, exactly. What happens then? What happens then? We have to have two men. They'd obviously have two. If he took the penalty, a penalty, the opposition would have two men on the halfway line, right? So we've just got to keep two men on top of them. And I think that would be the problem solved. But I think, I think he might have a chance of taking a penalty very soon. I, I, I mean, all the others are spotty. Their records are spotty, as, as we know. Aguero is not a great penalty taker. I thought Gundogan was until the other day. I thought the Bruyne was until the other day. But, you know, anyway, yeah. I, think, I think he's got a chance. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't. I think it would be a stupid idea for the reasons you gave in terms of having to have people covering and you don't want your, your keeper chasing back because he's taken a penalty if it's missed and cleared. But for me, I, I just don't think it's an option. We should, with the quality we have, with the internationals yeah. we have all around the park, I don't think we need our keeper. Let, let him concentrate on what he's fantastic at. Lisa, you're, you're a fan of our keeper, the, the the best goalkeeper on the planet, um, as he's now known. Uh, happy happy for him to, to to take our penalties, or are you with me? No, I'm with you. I think it's too much of a risk, and also it's utterly ridiculous. But this team of wonderful players we're just being eulogising about. Not one of them could take a penalty. Um, yeah. I just, I mean, I, I also agree with Stuart. I would have. I would have given it to Gundogan every time if he was on the pitch and I was getting really annoyed when that didn't happen and then he goes and misses. I'm like, well, I'm just going to shut up now. Um, I don't know. I also wonder if maybe Foden doesn't... Foden doesn't strike me as someone who really has that much in the way of nerves. I'd maybe give him a go. I mean, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, so Edward, Edward, feel free to comment on penalties, but but, but if not, I would love to hear your thoughts on... Uh, the best, certainly the best Brazilian goalkeeper there is around. Uh, there's a, another one up the East Lanks Road, I think, who's having a bit of a torrid time at the moment, bless him. Um, but your thoughts on Edison, his distribution, this this cool character that Lisa referred to? What a pass. What a pass. I mean, it was uh, just sublime, wasn't it? And there was none of the did he really mean it coming from the commentators. No. They, they could see that he, he looked up. Uh, and he just stroked it to within a, a, an inch of, of perfection, and the, um, the the control and the, um, the 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 way that Gundogan then uh, took that chance, was, um, yeah, absolutely, it was, it was box office stuff, really, wasn't it? Um, him taking penalties, uh, mm, I, I think there's there's a good case from if you you know as a romantic notion to want to to have the, the keeper go up. I think I remember was I made my mind might be um, uh, going um, going and I'm, I've, I've forgotten but I'm sure Stuart Pearce once went up to take a penalty and uh, when he wasn't normally meant to for City in his maybe his last game and um, and he missed 
Um, there was there was well, it was the last game of the season. I, there was there was some. I think the I think what it's showing is the idea that you you put someone there because um, yeah, it's become a bit of a thing, and maybe let's let's try something different, and maybe Hart rules the head is is not necessarily a, a good way of, of deciding a, a potential key moment in the game. I think we've got a good good enough crop of, of players who who can do it. I like the idea um, of potentially Foden stepping up. But, you know, ultimately, we've got to make sure this doesn't become a thing uh, and it, it starts to sort of just sort of great for longer than it needs to because these days we're seeing more penalties the way the VR decides and, and some of the, the clever way people manage to um, win penalties. So we need to sort of knock this one on the head uh, and make sure we, we just have a, you know, a, cool, a cool, calm head when it comes to um, deciding who takes the penalty and just let them get on with it. Nigel, can I just butt in a second? Please. Uh, Rogerio Senni of Sao Paulo, Brazilian player, scored 131 goals. He was a goalkeeper from the penalty spot. 131 penalties he converted. <laughs> yeah, Paraguayan goalkeeper. 67 goals from the Paraguayan goalkeeper. Fernandez from Peru. These are fairly recent. Uh, Roger, Rogerio said he was 1990 to 2015. Johnny Vegas Fernandez, sounds like a boxer, 1997 to 2017, scored 45 penalties. Yeah. Listen, there is a precedent it, for it. I, I'm sure there is. I'm just not, I'm just not a fan. I mean, there's lots of, lots of precedents. And uh, I just, I think... Edward, Edward said we want a, a cool, calm head. He, Edison sure. got that. Sure. Well, yeah. and, 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 it, and of course, we, we, we saw him sort of going up and I think it, it, we thought, oh, is he going to pitch for taking this here? But I think it was more giving advice to which side the keeper normally yes. dives or whatever. I think, the, I think, I think, I think that's so. what it was. Yeah. Can I can I deal with this no striker situation, Stuart, with you you then? And, and the fact the that, false nine. Well, well, not so much the false nine because we've talked about that before. Right. It's more it's more yes. the question of are we happy with the Sergio situation? Might there be more to his absence than meets the eye? Is a question I've been asked today and asked to raise it on the show. It's because he's been out a long time. Just just wondering whether you think there is more to it, or is this just a genuine injury and, and illness, and it's as simple as that, and, and there's nothing more to it? I don't think there's anything more to it. I've, I've just looked at some pictures of him in training today uh, alongside Garcia, one of our favourite players, um, and he's smiling away. I think Sergio is Man City. I, I don't think he's got any issues with going elsewhere at the moment. I think he will see out his contract. He might get another year. Who knows? But there are no issues with Sergio Aguero, as far as I can see, and I don't think there ever will be. Um, if, he, if he's fit, if he's fit, he'd be in the side for me. All right. But he takes uh, a while to come to peak fitness. We know that. And Edward, did you have the same view? Did you have a slightly different view? Has it, people have been saying, look, at the end of this season, we should just ask Sergio what he wants. He deserves that. Is, is that right? Do you think the... And, and also, my first question about are you, are you happy with the whole situation? Do you think there is more uh, to, to his absence than, than meets the eye? Or, or do you think it's all down to injury and illness? I think he's just been unlucky. I, I don't really read between the lines. I think you know, the club have, have always tried to, to work with him. If you remember when uh, Guardiola first came in, there was lots of chat that Maybe he's not going to fit his style of play. He's not going to be able to uh, chase down from the front um, and and press in in the way that, that Pep would want to do. And of course, he he 
he works on that part of his game and um, and um, he he did exactly what was required of him. So you know I think they've got a decent relationship. He's uh, Stuart said he's he's City through and through, and I think there's a reasonable chance that we'll see him stay on for another season for for the sort of handover season, if you like, to whichever uh, striker we decide to bring in over the summer. Um, Harland is one that I know we've all got our eye on. So, no, I don't read anything into it. Um, I think people are just trying to find stories at the moment um, because uh, City are doing so well on the pitch. All right. Lisa, feel free to add add to that. If not, I want to ask you just very briefly about the kind of the Premier League Player of the Month who we've talked about a lot in Gundogan and Pep, not unsurprisingly one Manager of the Month as well. My, my question is actually, if we were to vote now and sort of play sort of team of the season, how many City players do you think will get into that team? Um, are we talking, you know, seven or eight? Is that how we, is that how you see it at the moment? We're so good. Oh gosh. Um, I don't know. Well, eleven, eleven. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe who, who wouldn't get in? I suppose who wouldn't it's get in. It's really very difficult. It's it's very difficult for me to say which city player I wouldn't put. Um, but I'm sure there are players playing for other teams who would deserve a, a shout. But the likes of Gundogan, Cancelo, um, Edison probably yeah. wouldn't. And Diaz and Stones, I probably wouldn't even think twice about. After, yeah. you know, the, the, um, and after that, I suppose, you know, you've got to give other teams a, a chance. But then frequently they don't bother giving City players a chance. So maybe we should just take all 11 this time. All right. Let, let me use a stupid question. Anyway, I agree. Uh, let, <laughs> Edward, Edward, lots of non-City fans are saying it's the league is a done deal. It's cities. But, you know, I'm thinking typical City, I have to say. And uh, w- will that mentality ever change, you think, with City fans? And what would it take to change that, that whole typical City? Well, past me hopes that it doesn't change because that's, that's what we've always known. It's, sort of, it's, it's in our DNA and it's what gives us our personality as a, a sort of set of supporters. So, you know, it provides that, that conversation when we're allowed back into the stadium. Um, with our neighbours in our seats or, you know, over a pint at half time about, oh, you know, are we going to be typical City again? So, um, past me would quite like us to still have that in our, in our repertoire. But, you know, we are becoming, as I said earlier, more of a ruthless machine. And so it's hard to see now where we're going to um, either have a Devon Lock moment or even even worse than that, start to just tear off quite, quite disastrously to the end of the season. I mean, we've still got a difficult few fixtures coming up. Um, and you know they, they, there's, there's all the cup competitions which can take their toll. We don't know what injuries we're going to have. You know there's lots of unknowns uh, which you have to expect. But I think the gap now is starting to grow. Each week it seems to get bigger, and none of the other teams are really starting to impress um, and putting on a, a good run. Leicester are probably the nearest to that at the moment. Um, so as things stand, uh, it's going to take something fairly major to change for us to um, to take the the one hand that we probably got on the trophy um, off um, before the end of the season. Um, and I think we've got so many players who are playing at the top of their game, both in the first team at the moment and ones on the periphery that will have enough in the tank to get us over the finishing line. And Stuart, is it a done deal then, forgetting the typical City bit, but would, are you willing as, as a City fan to, and, and being a betting man as well, I know, uh, are you willing to say that's it, it's City's title? 
Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, we've got a very strong squad, let's be honest. Um, you know, there must be five or six players who were not in the team on on Sunday, who Saturday rather, who would have walked, who can would walk into any other team in the Premier League. So it's a done deal for me. It's we're we're about fifty to one on to win the league. Uh, United are second favourites at sixty something to one. Um, surprisingly, ahead of Leicester, who are probably who are probably more solid than they are, at about seventy odd, and the rest are. 200 and something to one. Liverpool, 200 to one. Uh, the rest, 300 and something to one. So just looking at the betting, and the betting people are fairly dispassionate. They're not City fans. Um, we're home. Not yet dry, but we're home. <coughs> Lisa, I know, you, I know you're more of a typical City girl than maybe Stuart <laughs> is. So you, 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 you're still in that camp, or are you going to go with Stuart on this one? Then It's a done deal. You said you know me way too well, Nigel. There's no way I'm going to say it was done deal. <laughs> Actually, is um, no. I think if we if we get through the next few matches and don't lose to United, um, and we've still got like a seven or eight point lead, then even I might be going. You know what? I think we're going to win this. But the chances are you're still not going to be able to get me to say it until it's mathematically certain. Good for you. I, I knew, I knew, you, I knew you wouldn't let me down, Lisa. Listen, I won't let, let the typical fifty side down. No way. Good, good girl. Thank you for that. Listen, uh, Edward. Let's just look back if you can remember to Swansea in the FA Cup briefly. Um, Walker's shot, stroke cross. Uh, I mean, lovely spin from from Jesus as well. Uh, shame we couldn't keep a clean sheet, but again, a pretty comfortable. Victory at Swansea. Yeah, that I, th- I seem to remember listening to the, the podcast just before it. It was, it was sort of identified as a sort of potential banana skin game, particularly as we knew we were going to rest some of the, our top top players. Uh, but it was an example of what Stuart said about such a strong squad. We had quite a few players come in who uh, aren't necessarily playing week in, week out. Uh, Laporte, Sean in that game, showed... Uh, why he was so highly regarded last season, particularly when we were missing him. Uh, and I thought it was just a very professional, clinical performance. Um, Swansea, you know, just come off a, a big win against Norwich, who were the leaders of the championship. No mugs themselves, played some nice football. But um, yeah, we, I think we demonstrated why it is we've been on a 16 um, streak win in games like that, where you know, you could just take your foot off the gas a little bit and it doesn't take much for even a team like, like Swansea to to exploit that. So um, I, I think overall it um, was a, a really good example of how we changed our mentality in the second half of the season. Stuart, anything to add about the Swansea game? Anything that you picked up particularly that you want to raise? Not, not particularly, no. But I think in the FA Cup, the near, you know, in our 23 unbeaten game run, uh, the nearest we've come to defeat was was in the, the previous FA Cup against Cheltenham. But Swansea was a very professional job, I thought. And the uh, the next round I, today, uh, it was announced uh, the date of the Everton game. It's the 20th of March, 5:30. BT Sport quarter-final tie against Everton, who of course we uh, we play next. Of course, Wednesday this week, Lisa, on Amazon Prime, eight fifteen kickoff. Your your thoughts ahead of the uh, the Everton game? Well, following on from the typical City um, 
team. I was, of course, delighted to see Everton lose 2-0 at home to Fulham yesterday. Um, not. <laughs> uh, you can be rest assured it won't be the same version of um, Everton that turn up against us. But, I, I mean, I do. I, it, despite what I say about typical me being a typical City advocate, I do go into most games at the moment just thinking we're going to win them. One day I'll be wrong. Um, hopefully it won't be Wednesday. Uh, I don't know. Do is is Calvert Lewin fit for them? I don't, I don't know. know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I look. They, they've got they've got a good team. They've got a really good manager. They're un- they're they're inconsistent. I mean, obviously they started the season off very well, um, but since since we became very consistent, they've been a bit more inconsistent. I think we should have too much for them, but. They're at home. I know that we don't have a crowd. It's still their home ground. Who knows? But um, I'd like to think we can beat them. So what's your thoughts then, Edward? Well, I, I think back to quite a few games at Goodison over the years. It wasn't very happy hunting ground, was it? Um, uh, I remember standing in the away, away end at one game in particular, and it was, um, it was a miserable, <laughs> miserable afternoon. But um, I think there's, there's no crowd there. Um, as, as Lisa says, they've come off a, a, a surprisingly poor result against uh, against Fulham. Let's hope that they've still got their tail between their legs. They, they have got um, they're well organised. If they're if they're up for the, up for the game, uh, it could be quite a, a challenge for us. But um, I think if we if we play like we have um, in in the recent games against Liverpool and Tottenham. I think we will be able to find enough opportunities and create enough chances uh, to, um, to, to probably the three goals that I'm always comfortable with. Once we hit three goals, um, you'd be surprised if we don't win any any football match, and this will be no different. Um, before we talk about the Arsenal game, I just, Lisa, I just want to ask you. I, I know that Sarah Messenger, who comes on the show quite regularly, is a is a football coach. Did, did you ever play the game in your youth, or do you play now at all in it in any way? Do you actually play football? Is a reason for me asking the question, which you might be familiar with. No, I don't. No, it, I, it's funny. I was actually thinking about this recently. Why I never did when I was younger. I just, I mean, we we played when I was in junior school. They sent the girls to play football on a really bad pitch mm. with the boys who were really bad at football, which I think nowadays would never happen. It's so terrible that they did that. Sure. Um, so that's about the only time I ever played football. I just don't think it was such a big thing for girls to do when I was younger. Well, it's not. And the reason I raise it is there's a new campaign that City have launched, which is hashtag same goal. Sorry, same goals, plural. Um, and, and, and have a look. Um, go on to City's website and, and have the hashtag same goals. It's a campaign basically on all, all, all around promoting girls' involvement in football. Looks like a great campaign. And it's one that uh, I think uh, we should promote. And, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, so get involved. Um, it'll explain you've got to sort of film yourself, a girl scoring a goal, and then put the hashtag same goals, and, you, and the club are going to send you a brand new football. So it sounds like uh, you can get a good ball out of it as well. But uh, it looks like a great campaign. And as Lisa says, the idea of girls having to play on inferior pitches with boys that aren't very good, it just sounds horrendous compared with what's happened now. And it's, I think, I think the fastest, if I'm not wrong, I still think it's the fastest growing sport uh, in the country, which is good news. So get involved. Hashtag same goals. Um, listen, before we go, let's talk about um, Arsenal away. Uh, 4.30 on Sunday, Sky Sports. It's on. 
Um, I know we, we then go to Borussia, well, we don't go to Borussia Mönchengladbach, we go to the Puskas Arena, in fact, <laughs> to play Borussia Mönchengladbach, but I think we've got a, a podcast before that. So let's talk about Arsenal, who had a good victory at the weekend. Um, Edward, um, kick us off on Arsenal away, please, your, your brief reflections on that. It's a little unfortunate that uh, they seem to find their, their, their zip uh, in their last game, Arsenal. Um, I think Aubameyang got a hat-trick, didn't he? And uh, if you remember last season in the semi-final of the Cup, we played Arsenal and they, um, they outplayed us, unfortunately, on that day. So they, ha- they are capable on the day of, of turning in a, a match-winning performance. So let's hope it isn't on Sunday. I think we've, we've got uh, in, enough now as to how they, they set themselves up. Um, but then, of course, Arteta knows how we play rather well too. So it, it could be quite a tactical game. Um, but hopefully we'll be coming off the back of another win at Everton and uh, we'll, the, the, uh, the untouchables will remain untouchable. <laughs> you're, still, you're still pitching for that to be the title of the show, aren't you? I think I'm trying hard, Nigel. I'm doing my best. <laughs> Stuart, your thoughts about the Arsenal game? Uh, well, as Edward said, we, they came into form a little bit on uh, the other day, uh, Sunday, but uh, they're very inconsistent. They, one week they're hot, next week they're cold. I think we'll have too much for them. Uh, I'm not worried about Arsenal. Lisa, are you worried about Arsenal? You're always worried, I know. I'm How always worried. It's my favourite pastime. Um, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried that we, we... I'm sure we can beat them if we just continue playing the way we've been playing because they are very inconsistent. They, I, I think their, their result against Leeds was as much about just the way Leeds play. And Leeds were 4-0 down at one point, but it's almost like they don't care. They'll try and score four goals anyway. But Arsenal, you can score goals against them and hopefully we aren't going to let them score four against us. Well, I've got a big decision to make. I'm not sure if the show's going to be called Fan Dabba... I can't even say it. Fan Dabba Dozy. Fan Dozy. The Untouchables or Cancelo the Confuser, which I also quite liked as well. But uh, we will decide. I'll ask Leon, our, our producer, to work it out. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you to my three guests, to Edward Timson, to Lisa Rubinovitz, and to Stuart Brodkin. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network.